Perfect. I'm going to expect you to actually speak more on this one. Listen to try. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Most of those questions on my phone, they answered them, like, right off the get-go. So right. I'm, like, sitting over there. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. It's easy. Yeah. It's yeah. all good. Well, so we might be well, asking the same questions again, right? Some of them. Uh, some of them. You know, there's going to be a little bit of rehash, but there's going to be a lot where we can dive way more in depth. Right. Um, talk about our experiences. Because my, my main thing, I want to understand these Rosies better because – I don't think there's a lot. There's a lot we don't know, personally. ODFNW doesn't know shit. They don't do studies on them. They don't collar them because they say we can't, which yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's true or not. But I'd like to know more about the territorial habits, the the movement habits of a bull during the rut. And there's hardly there's nothing for studies. Mm-hmm. And um, in your guys's experience. I mean, you have to be able to put more pieces of the puzzle. Every year we're putting more pieces of the puzzle together. We're using trail cams. We're killing bulls that we now have on trail cam. And we're starting to figure out, you know, well, this guy was up here from this time of the year. Um, but you guys probably have way more pieces of the puzzle. So you, you haven't seen the, the migration studies that they put out? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I've got I've got lead cow studies that are in herds, and it's got like five or six cows. And, like, the average radius for a herd of cows is like two miles. Yeah. And it's like, man, that doesn't help me with a bull, though. Unless I can't figure out how to use that for a bull. Yeah, I mean, I have my opinion. And I have my opinion on it, and, and that's just from observation. I mean, just just what I think is what happens year after year. I see bulls in the springtime when I do go out and scout a little bit that are a long ways away from where they end up. Um, but they end up in the same place year after year after year. So. Yeah. Whether there's and usually there's not a lot of cow signs. So in my personal opinion, these big mature bulls are respected. Those cows go to them, or they go get them. However that works, and they end up in that same place year after year after year. Brad, tell me about that one bull, um, the big fucker that would come and take the cows and then disappear. Because you know you know the story better than I do. You told me. Well, there's two scenarios. We had two bulls. I had a bull on camera back in '15, uh, just a giant like. 300 class bull and uh he showed up on one of my trail cameras opening weekend and i checked my camera saw that bull on there and i hunted that spot thinking that bull lived there never did see him the rest of the season so i mean i so i anyways fast forward a couple years i ended up meeting this guy and started talking and uh he had that bull on camera like five miles away and that that's where that bull lived yeah so that bull would come over get his cows take them home take them back yeah and that's where he spent the rest of the season yep that's been so, our experience too yep. i think more really? than, more times than not yep. is they'll go get cows and take them back to where they're comfortable the bull wants to be where they're comfortable they go to where the cows are where they right. haven't spent the last nine months ten months of the year they're not comfortable in that spot you right know? So this, gonna, I think it's the mature bulls that do that. The, yeah. we're, talk, we're talking these are the giant things. Yeah, Yeah, the giant bulls. Yeah. These are the respected, the, yeah. the, the giants of the forest. Yeah. The true herd bulls. So at what, at what point does the lead cow give up uh, lead, dynamic over the herd, and let, let the bull start pushing them around? Well, the bull I, pushes I them from behind. What was that? The bulls are just pushing them from behind. Yeah. They're the ones dictating everything. Well, it just seems like, well, I, granted, I'm hunting not the quality of caliber you guys are hunting um it seems like lead cow still running the show every time i see a herd i i think the bull the, the bull's leading it but from behind so it's like a cowboy right yeah and they those cows respect that bull man it's it's a very unique thing that's happening we don't really understand it 
But like last year, that big six point. Yeah. We were work. We were within a hundred yards of him, and uh, the cows were bedded hard. He stood up, started raking. So then we started. We, we'd sit on him, sat on him for a little while, and uh, he got up, and we started working him. And he pushed up the hill, just himself. He bugled back. Those cows got up, went right to him, and then they took off. Really? Yeah. He left just, the cows. Yeah, he left them. Got to a safe place, told them come on, and they went. So he like went and checked it out before. He called them over, kind of thing, maybe. Got, I mean, well, he got to where he felt safe, away well, he, from us. Yeah. What up kind the of hill. bugle was this? Was this a roundup bugle or no? What? It was really quiet. Just, and yeah, it was mostly it chuckles. Really? Yeah. And those cows just popped right up and started filing up the and hill. And I'm right not after. convinced he said something. He just, or, or, or like in a language-wise, super primitive. I think bugling's like really primitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the simple fact that he had got up and moved, bugled, they're like, oh wait, he's he's too far away. They got up, went to him. Yep. Now, do you guys subscribe to the mentality that there are different types of bugles and different types of cow calls and stuff like yeah, that? For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to pretend I understand it. Yeah. I'm not going to write a book and try to <laughs> interpret the language. Yeah. There's really no reason to get that that you know specific with it because it's 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 two men yelling at each other for the most yeah. part, and uh, I do mimic them and I've learned to mimic them somewhat, and um, I know what to do to get a response. Yeah, bark that bark bugle. Right, dude. You know, most people, no, most people never ever even considered that an, an option. But I learned that by observation. I get in close to these bulls, they get frustrated. Ooh. Yeah, they hammer me and then go into a bugle. It's like, well, let me see what happens when I do that. Boom, and I usually get a response, something, <laughs> chuckle or something. Yeah. So yeah. now I, I want to talk to you about what bugles when, and and how do you work into uh, some, like, what, do you have a sequence? Is there a certain sequence that works good for you? Or, like, if you're coming up to a spot, you found a fresh rub, what are you saying first? Oh, locate bugle, super yeah. long, high-pitched, followed by the, the bark, bark bugle, bugle, chuckle. bugle chuckle. BBC. Um, which, <laughs> the typical, typical what happens is, is and I've, I've witnessed this from a long ways away, they're doing their elk thing, they're feeding, a bull sniffing cows, you hit him with that long, high pitch. He stops. He throws his head up. He, po- he focuses his ears like a damn radar. And he's sitting there evaluating what he just heard. Because he was busy. He was doing other stuff. And then I hit him with that 100% challenge. And uh, he throws his head back and answers it yeah. most of the time. And I did that. I witnessed this enough times where that was repetitive, consistent, so, which is why I do it. I don't do it because it, it sounds cool. It's because that's what I've, over the years, gotten the most responses out. It's no different than, like, when we hear a bull bugle and we don't know exactly where it's at and we sit there and listen. Listen. And then we will throw out a bugle to relocate to try to pinpoint where he's at. It's the same thing. Like, we've literally sat and watched bulls in a, f- like in a field, like mm-hmm. a river bull down there, and they could you throw out a bugle and he's... <laughs> locked on but he doesn't know exactly <laughs> where it came from and he's kind of looking around he'll thrash the ground a little bit and he'll lift lift his head up and then you hit him with a second bugle and before you're done he's firing back at yeah. you yeah it's like okay there you go like so i obvious. guess how long like come on i get into, i get into nitty-gritty sometimes here so i've kind of been developing my own theories through just you know interacting with elk is for me frequency on the coast like, I get more responses when I hit that higher frequency. Like, it pierces through the brush better. 100% um, agree. You guys agree with 100% that? 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, 
an, on an audible scale, I can't tell you what's happening or why. I know they say that low sounds travel more and travel farther, but uh, it, I think that high pitch pierces that underbrush more so. That's the only thing I can think of. It's like, why am I getting more responses when I when I hit, hit that really high yeah. note really freaking loud? And I can bugle fairly loud. And uh, it just seems like when I'm focusing on that really high pitch note, I mean, even if it's just a single, just a single note, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to stair step mm-hmm. or anything. No. Yeah, it seems to carry further. Yeah. yeah. Like this last year, we actually took a decibel meter out <laughs> and really? measured to see oh, yeah. uh, at like 10 yards, like what does it sound like at that distance to hit a certain a certain pitch, and you can follow the decibel meter rise as the pitch rises, and so then you kind of okay, we were maxing out like right above it was like 100 decibels. Mm-hmm. Really? At 10 yards away, 100 decibels, straight out in front of the bugle. We just didn't hold it and then watch it. And it was like, okay, so that tells you that if your high point is your high of the decibel sound is your high point of your bit your pitch, that's what's going to go the furthest. Yeah. yeah. And to me, I try and hold that pitch the longest because I'm getting more bang for my buck yeah. at that frequency. Yeah. You probably see, I mean, this, you, well, you've seen my bugles change in the last couple of years mm-hmm. to the point where, like, if you watch Destination Elk this year, like, I'll just draw my first locator bugle out for a long time, a lot longer than I ever used to, but I, and, I, and I'll move it. I'll take that time yeah. to, like, mm-hmm. cover ground just to try to yeah. get a response from anywhere on that hillside that I'm calling to. Um, I don't know. It hasn't resulted in me killing more elk, but I seem to locate a lot of bulls this year. You get last a lot year. of answers. And yeah. if, if you're five decibels, let's just pick a number, five decibels louder than the other guy, and that five decibels at 400 yards equals 10 more yards, we'll do that in a 360-degree uh, range. Yeah. That's a lot of square, square ground. That's Covering a lot point. of extra distance. And, and that's all this is about. Locating is all about getting out there getting loud enough to where something hears you in response. Yeah. And getting a response is a lot of times the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah. Once you do that, you know where that elk is. You can hunt him. It's just going to yeah. increase your odds. Well, yeah. I do that same thing. I do the I do the scan kind of thing. And, and the year the bro tube came out uh, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, in a pink Phelps, that just seems to be the one that works best for me. Um, I was getting mouth. bugles farther than I've ever had. With, I mean, we're talking like 1,200 yards away in old growth. I was like, holy crap, across the canyon. But I'm like, I've never gotten a, a response that far at the coast. And it's just like, and I, that, you know, it just seemed there was something going on there. And I'm like, I'm just trying to understand it better. Yeah. But you, you doing the same thing kind of makes me feel better. Right. Because you're well, just kind of scanning and spanning and just trying to get the most bang for your buck. One of the coolest things I, I learned when I first started hunting was with him is, and we'll call it picking an area apart, right? Yeah. But it's really that first location spot where you might find that rub. You might be blasting right into the density of the canopy of the tree go, trees going into the canyon. And you'll hit it, and you'll be like, oh, that sounded like it went a long ways. Well, it's, it's really not traveling that far. So then we'll move to a different spot that will give a different vantage point into that same area. And if you don't feel like your bugles get in the bottom of the canyon or across the canyon, then we'll move to another spot. And so watching him kind of develop that process of picking an area apart is really just us trying to maximize the amount of area that we do cover with the bugle. And a lot of times that short distance is all you get because – that's all the vegetation allows for. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times have you bugled into something and you don't even get it? Doesn't You're like, this is a huge canyon. You should be getting some kind of reverberation back and you get nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's just dead. And your bugle you know? sounds like you're half as loud as you used yeah. to. Yeah. And you want it when, like, when we're <laughs> chuckling, you know, when he chuckles and I'm standing off to the side, I want to hear, I want to sound, I want to feel like I said, it sounds like an elk is chuckling back at him from his, his echo coming back. And then that's when we know we're really hitting those canyons well. Like you get that reverberation back, you're touching right. everything. Yeah, you throw a little, so. you know, dew in the air, 
a little fog or something, a little rain dripping. Just knocks it down. Dude, a little bit of wind. It kills it. Kills yep. it. The, so the wind, wind is probably the biggest killer fair. for yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, like we, that day you killed your bull. Yeah, the day I killed Can't my bull, it's like we know he's somewhere around here, but the wind was 20 miles, 30 miles an hour. And, and the, they and get the, they get nervous in that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their world shrinks to what they can see, and not so much what they can hear. That's why those cool, those calm mornings, that elk's attention can be gotten from a long ways away, mm-hmm. because his his environment is super peaceful. You know, when it's windy, it's moving around. They get they get a little nervous, a little scared. They don't really care what's happening a mile away. Yeah. They only care what's happening right. Well, right. think about the windstorms in the wintertime that they just got done dealing with in the late, you know, the late winter, early spring. You get a big, heavy windstorm. Everything's saturated. Tree branches are falling all over the place. Right. Like, that's not comfortable to them. Well, it's no different two months later. If it starts to get windy, they don't, they're like, oh, great, here we yeah. go again, you know. Yeah. They don't realize that it might not be nearly as bad, or it seems worse than it is because the leaves are – Tussling more on the tree branches, it just seems worse. But yeah, they get they do get nervous. So, how important to you guys is a good chuckle then? Oh. I think it's critical <laughs> really? for killing yeah. them for Roosevelt's for, for sure. killing them. Yeah, expand on that for me. So when I locate, I'm moving in, and chuckling is like my primary tool. Small sounds, chuckling, little grunts and moans. That's that's really how I kill out. Hmm. When I after my initial locate, after that, it's just. You don't have to be a good caller, absolutely. Just a pretty decent chuckler. And uh, that's yeah. mostly what those bulls do to each other. They talk through chuckles most of the time. Especially the Roosevelt's. I mean, you'll hear Joel Turner will preach, don't chuckle, bulls calling cows, blah, blah, blah. He's not talking coastal Roosevelt's when he says that. And you've had that discussion with him. It's like in our experience, the chuckle is a primary means of communication with them. Yes. Way more than an actual bugle. And then other elk noises, like – You'll hear, like, the bark, the moans. Like, we've gotten in close to bulls. And, and all you hear is moans. All you hear is them moaning. Because they can't, maybe they can't get to you, cause, and that frustrates them. Well, in a high-pressure situation, they don't want to bugle a lot. Right. They, they get attention. Yeah. Right. They figure that out eventually. Some of those big bulls I've heard make Absolutely. some off sounds, too. Just stuff you don't hear little bulls. Oh, yeah, for sure. It. Yep. Whisper bugles. Yeah. I yes. They'll turn their head around. Then they'll snap their head right back. Yeah. <laughs> And dude, it's got me many a times. Yep. Oh, he's he's two hundred yards. Oh, he's standing there looking at me. Yeah. He was like seventy yeah. yards. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and then and, and, and witnessing them do this, you yeah. know, they turn around. Yeah. yeah. I've only I've ever got whisper bugles I, in really high pressured elk. Yeah. I've never actually had that on an elk that I'm like, okay, I'm the only one hunting you for sure. Yeah. You know, the like smart ones been, do that, huh? The smart ones yeah, do the, that. The ones That's what really we the, the big ones that we've we, Mature, we hunt. Yeah. They'll stand there. Uh, cows will push off. And they'll turn around, quiet bugle, hmm. and then just sit there and wait for you, and you'll come trucking in because we're – I mean, obviously you see how we hunt, and being a shooter caller is the same guy. We get real aggressive, push in there, and it's like, ah, oh, shit. All right, he got us that okay. time. And if you watch, I mean, this Destination Elk series that's going on right now, like this this last week's video, I moaned and chuckled at a bull and did the breathing. I do that a lot. Into the tube, that. and that thing fired right back at me. It's like, okay, well, that's, they just wants to hear an elk noise, something that's not just a standard bugle. Mm-hmm. Like That's probably one of the better takeaways that time in the woods gives you is the ability to hear and see all that stuff. And when we're interacting with a lot of elk, you get to learn all that stuff, you know. If you're out just finding one bull every year and killing or not killing that one bull, it's going to take a lifetime just yeah. to figure out what to say. Yeah. So and like, raking, raking's huge. 
I don't do it as much as I used to just because it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, we kick a lot of brush a lot now. It energy to rake a yeah. tree, man, and make, yeah. and make a sound that's similar to what elk would do. Yeah. Take an alder and just shake it, man. That's, that's something if I got an alder I can shake, you know. But, um, yeah, making noise, snapping brush. Yeah. Raking's been really good for me yeah. and you the last couple of years. Yeah. That one bull we killed two years ago, he was raking. He wasn't a very big bull, but he was raking like he was king boss of the whole jungle there. I mean, it was, like, insane. Uh, nervous. Like, how uh, he wasn't paying attention, yeah. eyes up in the sky, and then nose down on the ground. Like, yeah. I mean, I basically ran up to him at one point, you know, yeah. and it was just like I've never seen a bull that aggressive that small. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a little nervous going on. He's probably. I mean, yeah. he had. 12 cows? Something like that? Quite a few. Temporarily. Yeah. yeah. So what about glunking? My personal opinion on glunking it? is I don't think it's, an, it's a sound that they make intentionally. From what I've seen and what I interpret as glunking, it's them moving with their mouth open and their gut is swooshing against their diaphragm, making a sound come out of their mouth. Hmm. I don't think it's an intentional call, to be honest with you. Really? Usually if you but see it, it's a rocky bull that's been – it's like they're worked, right? They're tired. <laughs> a they're horse will tired. do that too. If you listen to a horse gallop mm-hmm. with their mouth, if they open their mouth, you can hear that similar sound. Really? Yeah. Now, I could be completely wrong. I'm not saying I, I've got it all dialed, but it's at no point have I considered that a call that I'm going to try to utilize. Now, if I want to make a noise or something, you know, but I don't expect it to make any difference. But have you guys heard it on the coast? Uh, I've heard it twice, yeah. period, uh, in my life. Yeah. Um, and once was yeah. on the coast and once was in the east. Oh, yeah. and could you witness it? Did you see it? You he was The bull was moving with a herd. Yeah, yeah. He was moving. He wasn't standing still. Yeah. So what you, what you said. They definitely don't make the noise standing still, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so what, yeah, what you're saying makes sense to me because yeah. he, was, he was getting the hell out of there. We bumped him. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. getting a lot of Every dodge. time I've ever heard a sound similar to what people describe as glunking, I, I see that happening. So, I don't know. It's not part of my repertoire, honestly. Yeah. Well, perfect. It just seems like a lot of guys, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of guys are trying to get. For me, it's, it's knowing what to say and when to say it. And, and more than being good at saying it? Because it seems I think, like... And here, here's my opinion. I think it's how you say it and not what you're saying. Yeah. How you say it. Right, so... The emotion. There, you convey an emotion behind your bugle. And uh, if you don't, then they don't respond as, as you want them to. So uh, not so much what you say, but how you say it is where the response and the reaction. And elk are like a toddler, man. If you're not getting a reaction out of them frequently, they're going to lose interest or consider their other options. Mm. So, which is why we do it as fast as we can possibly do it. It's boom, 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 boom. And I don't bugle a ton getting in close to them because that, I think, spoils it. They get numb to your bugle. So you're just constantly moving on them. I get a response either based on time or distance. I don't want to overrun it. Um, I, I want to make sure I'm going the right direction. So bugling on your way in, it would be just basically to get a blip on the radar. Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. 100%. You're relocating them, but 100%. not with a location bugle. 100%. Yeah. Right. I want to get in. I want to get in his lap, and then I want to hammer him in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's, is, is this for all bulls, or are you just you talking mature bulls? Is that I handle mean? all bulls the exact same. Do you really? Yeah. Now, I mean, I'll recognize one that's a, just a little chuckler, you know, that – Young bull. Super, super young yeah. chuckle. Sounds more like a bird mm-hmm. than an elk. 
and I'll tone it back a little bit. Maybe not get as aggressive. A lot of times I'll just leave. He's not the bull I want to hunt. So you know he's never going to actually come in. <laughs> right. yeah, a lot of them might come in out of curiosity. Um, they're going to do it somewhat sneaky, and they're not going to give me that adrenaline rush I'm looking for. Now, what about cow calls? How often are you guys hitting cow calls? I don't cow. Never? Really? Very rarely. I don't find it beneficial to killing bulls. As a matter of fact, in historically doing it has brought cows to me, which I don't want. I don't want cows in front of me. Um, calves, calves will stand there and look at you for days. <clears throat> And I guess if you want encounters with elk, that's what you want to do. Because mm-hmm. and they no question, cow calls kill more elk than bugling does every year. I guarantee it. But, but they're smaller bulls. A lot of smaller bulls. Yeah, and but what I'm targeting, I'm not saying east side. That's not the best way of doing it, and it it very well could be. But it's not what I'm out there to do. I'm out there to interact with that bull. I'm out there to challenge him. I'm out there to get that adrenaline rush. Hmm. Um, I'm in it for me, man. So yeah. So what I'm what I'm doing when I'm out in the woods, you can tell me for better or for worse. Um, give me your honest opinion here. Is I, I will bugle, maybe bugle again. I don't get an answer. I'll start working some cow calls in there, make it sound like I'm a herd, or I'm trying to just add more dynamics and more dimensions to the calling sequence. And I'll get bulls that I'll bugle, 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 and then as soon as I hit that cow call, they they answer back. And it's like, why did that work? You know, like it just seems like some bulls want a cow call, some bulls want a bugle, and. I just I have a really hard time understanding that dynamic there. Like why why did that bull answer to that, not to that? Because he could hear me the whole freaking time. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm not saying it won't work and, and I guess if you want to be a really, really good elk hunter, you use every tool you can. Yeah. Um I just haven't and and I've done it, you know, I did it for years early on, but I just never found that to be a very consistent and um, repeatable way of killing bulls. Um, you know, the bro guys, they just want to kill elk, and cow calling definitely works for that. Especially you when go, you got a lot of guys, you got to fill tags, yeah, and you're you not going to pass east, things up. You go east, and you, you can see a long ways, and. Um, they're a lot the more elk vocal are a little different. The the um, just the habits are a lot different. So the herd dynamics different. Mm-hmm. They're a migrating herd. Usually they know each other. They're all friends and buddies. Cal calling works really and well in that atmosphere. East side bulls are a lot more vocal, obviously too, yeah. right? Whether it's the elk or, or the bulls are more vocal or the cows are more vocal, they're just more vocal. Yeah. You know, over here, I mean, my interpretation of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we want to be that we want to be that teenager that's full of piss and vinegar out looking <laughs> to fight the old guy to try to establish dominance in his herd, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we're running around bugling, locating, and then pushing in on them. We don't want to have cows. We're the guy without cows. We're right. coming in to take your cows because all those mature bulls will have cows. Hmm. So that's what we're looking to do. So it, at what point, let's say you guys got a bull bugling, you're moving in on them. Are you moving in on them, and then you're like, okay, here's where we're probably going to set up for a shot. What are you, what are you doing there? The elk determines where we are. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. A lot of times it's in a bad spot, but it's I got to get close enough to I, – all I need that bull to do is give me a shot. That's it. I want to get close enough to get a shot. He's just got to step 10, 15, 20 yards. I don't need him to come 400. We get lucky from time to time. They do. They come running. But more often than not, I am where he was or is, and he just steps enough to give me give me a kill shot. So there's been a common thing, and Phelps and a lot of these other guys subscribe to this mentality. It's like, I want to get inside that 80 yards, and then I want to challenge Bugle, and he's going to come in from his cows. And I haven't had that. Yeah. Hardly ever has that worked for me. It's been 
It just seems like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've had that happen plenty of times, and maybe the, the whole just take the herd and, like, see ya. You know, like, that happens quite a bit. It's just yeah. like, well, maybe I wasn't close enough. I'm like, I don't know. I'll bet you, more often than not, that's not the bull taking the herd. That's the cows leaving that uncomfortable little situation going on. And you got to yeah. be very careful about that because what you think they're leaving, they move a little bit, that bull turns around and comes right back, yep. man. He'll push cows so, off and come so, back. So... <laughs> Uh, more often or quite frequently I've, I've messed that up by pushing real hard right there when they move off when I should have just waited. Maybe move 15, 20 yards closer and that bull turn around and you come right back. He may not say a word when he comes back, but he'll be standing there looking. Yeah. It's happened yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, th those, those cows, you know, that's their bull. They don't, they don't like that, that fighting going on from what I see, you know. You, I think you're hitting the nail on the head because when I'm going back and I'm thinking about my experiences, it seems like the lead cow is the one that's always just taking the herd off, and yeah. then the, the the bull just usually follows them. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, man, I I've actually called with with in my head. It's like, okay, I got to be aggressive, but I can't spook the freaking cows off because, and I've always, you know, I've kind of struggled with that a little bit. You know, like how can I call, get in aggressive, be close, but not also have the lead cow screw everything up right time of day hmm. so if they're chewing their cud and elk are just like a cow horse whatever when they're laying down in the middle this is why the middle of the day works so well is once they're sitting there laying and they're they're regurgitating their cud sitting there chewing, they don't want to get up and run that's not what they want to do it's exhausting it's the middle of the day it's hot usually mm -hmm. so if you you get them when that because that bull's testosterone is still high all 24 hours a day and you get in close when they're all bedded down that's the best time to kill a bull 100 percent more often than not that will is what's going to work and if and if you're in on them and they're up moving around they move off honestly you just got to keep close enough to them to wait until they bed down and then you're more likely to kill that bull let them get comfortable yeah. I and mean, we've had many times like gave that six point this year like mm -hmm. we'll get in you'll be working them they'll get to a spot where you know they feel comfortable and you just sit you bed down with them within proximity where if something happens, you'll hear it, but you just sit down and let them do their thing. Let the cows get super comfortable. Let them get in there for an hour and then get up and then fire that bull up because then that's what's going to pull him away from those cows. He looks, he's like, all right, all the ladies are cozy. They don't want to get up and they definitely don't want to get up and run. Mm -hmm. That's when you can pull that bull away yeah. from them. How and his, guys, he's just sitting there amped up anyway. So How do you guys roll the dice on that midday win? Because I've been screwed a few times trying to play that game. You just got to do it. I mean, just be willing to it's screw not it going to work out every day. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work out all the time. You can't <laughs> predict this wind here on the coast, man. It is, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it blows one way, and then it relaxes, and it all pushes right back where it came from. Right. So, it, man, there's, there's hunts I've had to outwalk my wind just to get close enough to get a shot. Yeah. It's blowing right at him. Mm -hmm. It's blowing it one mile an hour i gotta walk two you hit i your, gotta get close enough to get a <laughs> shot before he smells me you hit your smoke and it just <coughs> barely moving so you're like all right i just gotta walk faster than that <laughs> or it's blown <laughs> the wrong way where i'm standing i go 20 yards it's blown the other way dude. yeah it's the coast yeah it, wind thermals all that that's 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 a it's tough it, it yeah. you just can't you can't really do it man. we laugh at it because there's how many times that we've been like you know all the winds at our back yeah. facing this direction you'll turn the other direction hit your smoke <laughs> when still at your back yeah. you know like it doesn't yeah. matter which way you're going the only real consistent thing is in the bottom of a canyon the wind is usually just exactly rolling what I was down just the hill yeah. a little yeah. bit 
you know, we've had plenty of times where we'll have a bowl and there's a creek bottom and we'll have a bowl on the other side and the wind's blowing straight down. I'm like, we're fine because it's doing the same thing on the other yeah. side. It's yep. just going. Yeah. We have we have ran into a couple situations where it was going backwards. Last year when Jonathan was with us on that first bowl that we dropped in on and um, when I was shooting. And that we, we thought for sure we'd hit the bottom and that we came in below the elk thinking that wind would be sucking down and it was blowing right up the drainage. Hmm. Just really weird. Every once in a while you get that, but. Or a little bastard was another example. You oh no, take he was risk, man. You gotta, you gotta risk it. I mean, you're, it's not gonna work every time. And as soon as they win me, it's game over. I turn around, and walk out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pursue them, but you're just chasing elk out of the country at that point in time. Yeah. You're hurting yourself tomorrow. Hmm. So, if I have advice to anybody listening to this podcast, is don't chase elk, man. Just leave yep. them alone. When you screw up, accept it. Go find a different herd. Come back next day two days later and then you can uh, maybe kill him see that's yeah. where i think a lot of guys go wrong is they don't have a plan b they don't have another herd or the, the, if a if a herd gets pushed they have no idea where the hell they go well that's a problem so and the best elk hunters i've i've grown up with it's like for example we were on a muzzleloader hunt we run right into the herd right in the middle of the road my dad doesn't get a shot and the guy who taught me how to elk hunt a lot um, his name was willie he's like ah get back in the truck drive around 20 minutes later he's like they're going to be right here. And then walks up this ridge. The herd's bedded exactly where he said they would be. Boom, shoot at elk. It's like, I want to be that good. That's you know, just a lot of experience. Yes. In the area. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, growing up where I grew up, hunting elk, where I learned how to hunt elk, I could do that. But, you know, going to new places, I don't know that. So I have to attack it with the strategy that we've developed over the years, which is just based off of success and failure. Yeah. Right. So, what's what's a week look like for you guys for encounters on average? I mean, because if you guys are hunting new areas, you're struggling just like a regular guy would hunting a new area. You're just applying your knowledge. I mean, to I expect it. to kill one elk a week, really? nothing more, and uh, probably calling working a handful a week. You yeah. know, I had it I had it dialed down to percentages and figured out of every bull I got to answer, I got in close. You know, like sixty percent of the time, and then I could call those within shooting distance you know 80 percent of the time or something i kept track of all that early on and i've lost track of it because you know you just you're just going to work through everything you do and and when it works it works when it don't it don't yeah Yeah. our our early season too a lot of times is exploratory that first seven to ten days of the season we're not i mean of course he killed his bull on the seventh this year so it doesn't mean it's always this way but that first seven to ten days is usually discovery and we'll start picking out the rubs. You know, we'll cover a ton of country so that by the time that second week starts, okay, now we've got a half dozen or a dozen bulls that we can start checking on. And every day on the coast, there will be a bull that is ready to die. It's yeah. going to be a little different this year. 30 days out of, the, out of you know, all September. Yeah. Later on, dates this year, it's going to be yeah. game time on Yes, Giga. correct. Yeah. yeah, so if there's a bull that's ready to die every day, you need to find that one. So if you can check on a dozen bulls, there's a good chance you're going to find one on that day that's ready to die. Yeah, that's so what I want. Yeah. we'll spend a lot of time, like, just finding the bulls that are in a radius where we can get to within a day. And then from there, it's like, and we're okay. hunting that entire time we're finding bulls. Yes. But I'm not as picking the canyons apart as much as I would later on. So I find rubs. Okay, there's a bull here. Let's look it over. Okay, let's pound this a little bit. Then let's move on and find another one. Now I have all this stuff marked. When I come back the next time, I see what's new and fresh. 
just confirms that the bull's still here. And uh, then I'll spend a little bit more time just kind of digging through, getting all the different angles, hitting the little draws, flats, you know, benches, trying to figure out where an elk is staying in the middle of the day. Yeah, so. yeah the best is if you find that rub that's just like maybe a single, and then you're back in there two days later, and now there's five. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's on at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. And That's in my opinion, if if you don't hear him answer, you're just not in the right spot. You, you start looking at Onyx then, breaking down Onyx, oh yeah. and you're looking oh at yeah. the deepest, darkest holes, or what are you looking at? Sometimes. I really yeah. look at uh, elk, elk are lazy. They like cool, open, little bedding spots. If you can identify that from in this country um, – which is super hard. Don't get me wrong, because what you think is a is a nice flat open spot. You go in there, it's all sandberry. Mm-hmm. So you're just it's your best guess. To be honest with you, but but I want my calls to be targeted at something. I want because I get exhausted, man, bugling. I get exhausted, so I want I want it to mean something every time I do it. Right. So I try to be strategic about where I'm calling from and where I'm calling to. Um, Obviously, you can't always do that. Sometimes you got to walk down a ridge ways, which takes time. And uh, I'm sometimes not willing to take that amount of time to go try to find that bull in that canyon. I'll go to the next one. But I can always find an easier one. Yeah. 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 One thing that I, I've told myself a lot is, you know, and I've told Brad this, if, you know, just to try and keep ourselves motivated is like somewhere right now in this unit, there is a bull screaming his freaking head off. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we just have to find him. Yep. Like, he's somewhere. That's I know 100% he is. Yeah. correct. You know. Every day somewhere, it's the greatest hunting day of somebody's life. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Right? Yeah. Somewhere. And, and, when you, it, and this year was unique for us because we camped with a big group of people, yeah. which we historically don't do. We just It's just the two of us for the most part, and we're just roaming the countryside. Yeah. But this time we had a base camp, and uh, it was super – confidence building to, to go back to camp and hey this guy had an amazing day he heard five bulls bugle i didn't hear one mm-hmm. that just means i wasn't in the right spot yeah, right. it's not that the elk weren't talking today it's just the choices i made that day didn't lead me to that same experience yeah. Yeah. what do i have to do to reevaluate how i'm doing it or where i'm doing it so one yeah thing we had six guys in camp well yeah six guys mm-hmm. in camp and we for the most part where it would kind of disperse out and you'd come back and you collect all that data. And then we kind of shared like, all right, I'm going to go, where are you going tomorrow? Right. And then we could go try to pick that spot out tomorrow. So the guy that maybe heard five bugles one day wasn't going to kill the elk no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's flip the script a little bit and send somebody else in there to try to kill that bull if he was vocal. Right. So, and we, I mean, we killed three bulls out of there. And really, it was only five of us that were hunting out of the six, but it, we killed three out of five bulls in that area. And uh, and everybody had a legitimate opportunity. Yeah. That's yes. pretty good. So That's really good. It should. We should have theoretically been six for six total, yeah. but yeah, it happens. It does. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get, all you can ask is to get in close enough for a shot. Now, this country doesn't allow you a shot half the time. Half the time, you can't make a shot. So, you know, well, you're just. You just got to put yourself close enough to kill elk enough times throughout the season to get it done, man. So we've we've got a group of friends, oh, me, Brad, and maybe one or two more guys. That um, it's really me, Brad, and one other guy that I really communicate with. I'm, I'm I don't hold anything back. I I'm, here's exactly where I saw what I got. Here's what time of day. Here's what I said. And um, it just seems like on the days that I have a hot day, it seems like everybody had a hot day. That's more likely. Yeah. So what? 
what's going on there? Because we've had some guys say it's humidity, some guys say it's it's light, some guys say like I have no idea yeah, why that phases and everything else, all those well, things, right? I think bugling's contagious. If one bull, you get one bull fired, the other bulls get worked up. I mean, they're just no different than you going to a uh, UFC fight or watching a Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. You come out of there, man, you're ready to throw down. <laughs> I think elk are very similar. Once you like when I can go into an area and I can create that by bugling a lot and getting them worked up. Tomorrow they're more vocal, more vocal. It's getting more and more intense. Hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of you get a high bull population, you're going to have a lot of bugles because they're talking mm. back and forth. Right. Get an area with low population, you don't hear as many elk bugling. But I truly believe that when you do, he's prob- you're probably going to kill him because it means more. Now, you guys hunt areas that have less of a population but bigger bulls, would you say, or, or older, mature I mean, that bulls? was our that was our strategy historically. This year, I wouldn't say it was that way. We went to an area that's known for a higher population, and um, it's an area I used to hunt years and years ago. It had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a lot of clear-cutting, but there's still a lot of elk in the area. So, uh, and I got super lucky to harvest a, uh, or kill a, a nice bull. Yeah. But that was on an exploration day. Yep. And we just hmm. found rubs, and I'm always going to try to locate him, and he was right there. So, you know, you there's were- a little bit of luck. But, it, I mean, it's, you call it luck, but it's more <clears throat> being in the right place at the right time. And you got to do it to do that. Looks like so. it happened pretty it's quick. Not- yeah. Hmm? yeah. Oh, it happened fast. So it looked like it happened quick. It yeah. did when it happened. But, I mean, he says, you know, you can call it luck, but it really isn't because it, if we go back and analyze it, it's no different than what we've been doing for the last, you know, 10 to 20 years. You, we found a rub. We walked out a, ro- a road that was blocked off that was well overgrown. Well, we found another rub. Well, we found a rub. So then I looked, and it's just a big ridge line. I said, okay, well, let's focus on the right side yep. on our way down. And let's flip over and mm-hmm. focus on the left side yeah. on the way back up so we cover this entire thing. Because yep. the road we could see on Onyx, that it ends about two miles there away. There was a creek drainage down the middle, yeah. and it was two sides. And we hit one side and then came around to the other side. And when we, when you go back and look at the at where we had marked everything on Onyx, it was like, oh, well, that was pretty obvious. <laughs> it was like a straight line drawn right to where we ended up killing him. Really? You know, he was right in between yeah. two of the rubs. Yeah, it was just perfect. Yeah, we, so. we've done that same thing where we'll work one ridge and then on the way back work the other side. And yep. you're just trying to maximize your effort. Every nook and cranny, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes you have to be not necessarily physically in their face, but audibly in their face for them to react how you want them to react. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about, and I know we've we've talked about this a little bit, but for somebody that is maybe willing to pass up a bull next year, we'll see what happens when I get one in front of me. <laughs> I probably won't. Um, I I really do want to start killing bigger bulls. So from you guys know me enough to know that I'm going to shoot the first rag that walks out, right? I, I like elk meat, and I've had so much failure in the past that drives me to shoot the first freaking thing that walks out. Um, I'm ready to start shooting a better quality bull and get it, get that experience. What would you tell a guy like me that's wanting to focus on those bigger bulls? Well, focus on areas that have no clear cuts. The average age of the elk is going to be a little higher. You're probably not going to have as much um, uh, excitement. But when you do find the one, I think he's going to be more than likely better hmm. than an area that uh, is full of jackfurs and clear cuts and uh, – 
cows running all over the place. The, just the age there is, is probably not going to be as high. Hmm. So, Areas see, where they're easier to kill during rifle season, you're probably going to find less big bulls. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, you, you have to do probably one of two things. You either have to be dedicated to a certain tactic that's going to lead you to kill bigger bulls, staying away from clear cuts, only focus on big timber patches, like all the stuff that I learned why, originally watching him. Or you have to be dedicated enough to wanting to kill a big bull that you're willing to pass on a small bull. Right. And, and one of those two. You'll never kill yeah. a big bull if you shoot the small ones. Yeah. Right. Your tag's done. It's, it's just a, yeah, The only yeah. way right now I'm going to shoot a big bull is if he walks up before a little bull does. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. And then as you get more and more confident in your skill and the areas that you're hunting and the bulls that you're finding, like if you're like, hey, it's the 8th of September, like, God, I've got the next three weeks that I can really focus on this too, like, be okay with passing that bull and then knowing that you have the three weeks that it should theoretically because mm-hmm. you feel confident. Like, do you feel confident every time you go out that theoretically you should be able to find a bull? Absolutely. I mean, every bugle, like he's, he says all the time, like every time I bugle, I expect a response. 100%. So when you get to that point, then you're okay passing a bull because you feel like you'll find a, you'll find one tomorrow if there wasn't one there today. Yeah. And if not tomorrow, the next day, you know. Yeah. And I, don't. I passed a bull up just a couple of days before I killed that one. Did yeah. you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How big was he? Just a little four point. Oh. Yep. So with the with the season being changed, then I asked him why he didn't pass that one that he shot up to. I was like, "Oh, cameraman, get here tonight." <laughs> there was no passing that pull up, dude. When we saw that thing poke his head around, it was yeah, like, like uh, I was like, oh, "It all happens so fast, and you you just have such a little window to analyze and make a decision." And that's it was more of a reaction killing him than a conscious thought. Yeah, you know. But he was big. I thought my yeah. camera guy was better. <laughs> I was chasing you around. <laughs> that bull had us running back and forth to find a lane to shoot in. <clears throat> That's funny. Yeah. But in, in that hunt right there is a good, a good example of just follow your gut because I felt like I knew where he was going to come out. I can't explain why. I just felt like it. And then Corey talked me to look back this way, and then I went right back to where I initially thought, and that's where I killed him. <laughs> yeah. And there's something to say about that, man. We're predators. Well, he, he was know? coming through like you could hear him moving, and it sounded like he was going to swing down below us, which is the way our wind was actually going. So then we, I was like, you know, we, he's coming in down here. We dropped down there, and the next thing you know, it was snap, snap off to our left, so then boogied right back up 15 yards to where he was at. Was he, where, was he where shot. Lot? No. Well. So when I first located him, and you got to remember we're exploring. I mean, I got my sneakers on. Yeah. Uh, you know. Tennis shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Not ready. Um, but you can't be ready all the time, I guess. And he, I mean, that response he gave me was, like, from the heart. Like, yep. He meant it. We almost walked away from him, though. It was, like, literally right as we were getting ready to walk back to the rig to leave. And he finally hit yeah, us back. Yeah, there was a bit of a delay, and if I had to. He was wallowing and then got out of the wall. Yes. If I had to guess, yes. I visualized what he was doing. He was sort of splashing around because hmm. he heard me bugling. Yeah. He probably heard me several times before where he answered me, yep. if I had to guess. He may have even answered me before, and I just didn't hear it. Right. It's highly possible. Because yep. got to remember, I was focusing on the right side, and he was on the left, but there's no question that, that my sound's carrying over there enough. Yeah. Um, and then when we swung the bottom – Right at, right at the end of the road, we swung to the other side of the ridge, and that's where we got the answer. Mm. Yeah. So. And he looked like he came running right out of yeah. a wallow. Really? Oh, he's just soaked head to toe. He's got mud in his antlers and everything still. We're f- we found, like, when we started tracking him, like, I actually found drops of mud from him running before I ever found blood. 
Yeah, mm. so I got the answer, got back, getting booted up, getting our packs on, set the camera up, filmed it. 20 yards off the end of the road when we just got inside the, the thick stuff, he's right there. Yep. <laughs> like if we were another two minutes slower, he would have been looking at us before we were ready. Um, maybe a little too fast. We would have been in a situation we didn't have a little shooting lane. Yeah. You know, um, maybe it would have worked, worked out. out. Yeah, yeah. 15 yards in front out. of where – well, basically where he was standing where you shot him, anything from there in, you didn't have lanes. I yeah. mean, he would have – he'd had a less than five-yard shot. Well, he might have had to hmm. make yeah. a lane. Right. I mean, he can do that. But. Yep. I want to switch into something that – and I'm going to voice my opinion here. I think it's fucking retarded that we're doing this in Oregon, but we moved all of our the podcast? seasons. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Exactly. Um, you mean Portland we, anyway. We moved our seasons later um, to where now we're going to be hunting. Like, usually you're gaining a week of not really much rut going on, and then now you're gaining a week of prime peak. Like, the bulls are screaming. And to me, these are decisions you make when you have healthy elk populations across the state, and which we don't. Um, so I'm Thank not a you. huge fan of that. As a conservationist, I'm not. As an elk hunter, I am. Yeah, yeah I'm excited exactly. as a hunter, yeah. but as a person that wants to see a sustainable way of hunting and the best thing for the future, no, it's a fucking retarded decision. Yeah. It is really dumb, in my opinion, especially for blacktail. Like more, blacktail yeah, more so on blacktail. Yeah, more especially so for, blacktail. for the blacktail. It's, it's not a good call. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so now we're shooting spikes, and we're probably going to be shooting more trophy bucks. We're taking off of both ends now. Oh, the okay. bucks are going to get slaughtered, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah, because I'm buying a buck tag this year, yeah. and I'm not going to go hunting until last week. Like, I'm not even going to worry about it. Yeah. But my soapbox. So, having said that, I'm going to take advantage of the new rules because I'd be an idiot not to, even though I do disagree with them. Um, is there going to be any tactic changes on your guys' end? Or are you guys, like, you're like, I'm going to maybe pass up more bulls knowing I get this extra freaking week of really good hunting here? No, I yeah. think you have to really look at, like, and I'm not a moon phase guy, but clear nights, a bright moon, it's pretty slow daytime hunting. Yep. It's just so with that entire month, and it's all prime elk hunting. And I usually never started elk hunting till after Labor Day anyway, just because it's just too early. Yeah. Go out there, spin my wheels, I bugle, I burn up a cu- couple calls. A couple you, tanks you can, of gas. You're gonna kill some every now and then, but usually it's the second, third fourth week of september is where it's all at so mm. um no our tactic won't change um we'll just be able to hunt a, a little more core, aggressive early on the, the yeah. core season longer i mean it's really yeah. what it boils down and, to. and we always see like progressively as the month goes on it gets better and better right. you've got more more data in the woods more sign right the bulls are either more active or now they're with cows as opposed to trying to find the ones without and I think as you get into that last week, generally, I mean, it, it seems like every year we get to the last two or three days, and it was like the elk hunting was just starting to yeah, get good. Yeah, you know, September in Oregon is um, it's a coin toss, too, because yeah. we can get those storms late, you know, right. the second half of September, which just shuts you down. Yeah. yeah, right. So at least with the early August, we had pretty guaranteed decent weather that you could hunt. Um but no, I'd trade it for for what we're gonna have now. Yeah, I don't sure. I don't know if it'll result in more elk getting killed. Yeah, because I mean, knowledge, to me, knowledge kills elk, but also dumb elk get killed, and you're they gonna do. have more dumb elk. Yeah. More of them? I think so. I mean, you're gonna have more bulls that are being retarded that time of year than first week of August. He killed the dumbest bull. I mean, last year. <laughs> he, he, have you heard that story? It, well, he, yeah, we'll, he told we'll have to tell it. you. Oh, the one we yeah drove up on. But yeah. I mean, in well, my the season opinion, it, in the my season pushed back into the later part of the month anyway. 
yeah. you know, did, it on would the shift. cycle. Yes. Right. So we we were able to hunt that last week every third or fourth year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it's just going to solidify it now. Right. Like every yeah. year we're going to have it. Because we, we've always said, like, why don't they just do what every other state does and just make it the month of September? Yeah. September 1st. Instead of having stuff start August 26th. Right. And right. you're out there when you should be at the beach <laughs> playing in the sand. You're out there tromping around the mountains at 90 degrees, sweating your balls off. Like, yeah. What is the earliest you guys out. killed a bull? Uh, well, we, and historically, we never really started super early. No, but I want to say uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah. I mean, there was it's, there's so many. I quit doing it because there's so many people out there. Um, but I think the second of September, I, I want to say, is the earliest one of us has killed a bull. Yeah, that's funny. Jack bull. We we figured that was on the eighth or the sixth. That was the eighth. And then this year, yours yeah. was on the seventh. <laughs> but big bulls get killed early every year, yeah, man. Yeah. Every single year. Well, Jack Lander so. killed that big bull five years ago or whatever it was. It was in August still. Yeah, that's you know? Penny's was third day yeah. season, August. You made the joke, like, instead of is it September yet, it was like, is it August yet? <laughs> yeah. 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 He kills bulls early every year. I, I get, I, I, well, I hunt my ass off, and I'm, I got this anxiety that if I don't fill my tag today, I'm not going to fill it. So I, I try and fill it as fast as I can every year. August 26th one year, or what, 29th? Um, septem- beginning it's of September. The yeah. latest I've ever killed a bull is the 16th. The last two years it's been Labor yeah. Day weekend. Yeah. Has it? Yeah. Oh. And we get the luxury, obviously. I mean, he takes the whole month off, right? Oh. I take most of the month <laughs> I got off. three weeks off this year. And so when you have that, the ability to do that, you almost don't want your season to be over on September 4th. I know. You know. But you get to witness something special when you're hunting early like that. Is this the pecking orders being established yeah. with these elk yet? They don't necessarily have their cows. Um, you can call bulls in that never say a word. They just come charging in like a freight train, man. Mm-hmm. And I expect that to happen. It doesn't happen as much as I'd like, but – um, and they get more vocal as the season can, you know goes on. Um, it's a, it's an exciting time to be out there. You're fresh. You've been right. wanting to elk hunt all year, so you have a lot of energy. You're you know pounding out the miles, going to your favorite places. Yeah. But I will say to people, don't let that early discourage you from your 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 go-to spot. Oh mm-hmm. man, I see nothing in there this year. I'm not going to hunt there. Well, give it a couple weeks, and that might be completely different. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but one way, one area where it might change things is, you know, we have always counted on this too. Is like that first week, a lot of guys will. That's when they take their vacation, and then from there, it's all weekends after that. You know, right. um, yep. so we're we, you know we're like, oh yeah, perfect. Take opening day until the September second off, like exactly. And then you're out of the woods, except for only on weekends. Like we we count on that a lot of times to have a little less pressure later in the year. You know, by that time, you got guys who can't take more time off. They've already burned all their weekends with, like, being gone for the family. Um, they, they've exhausted all their PTO or whatever money that they had set aside. Plus, bulls have been killed. So then there's just less hunters the later into the season that it goes. I've noticed that, too. Yeah. Like, late last week of season, it's like, where the hell is it? Like, everybody, like, disappointed or discouraged? Yeah, <laughs> yeah discouraged mostly. Out of vacation yeah. time? But <laughs> if I had one week to choose, it would be the last week of season. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because all of your information's out there. Every rub that you need is there already. These bulls are established. They got their cows. They're in their, their safe places. Um, yeah, just everything you're looking for is at, at that last week, and they're vocal. Hmm. Um, they're a little harder to call in, I'd say, as those, as the elk get tired, those bulls get a little tired. 
you got to, you know, get in there on them and, and, and force it a little bit more than early. But hmm. um, Especially in a higher pressure area, right? Yeah. When they've or been best. harassed a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, if you're in lower pressure areas, it's easier. Personally, the best dates for me have been, like, 13th to the 20th. Yeah. yeah. The 16th for us. 16th, yeah. There was one uh, three-year stretch where I got a bowl on the 16th, 17th, 16th. So I was like, yeah, I'm might it would well be, an, it'd be an interesting thing for us to do is just go back historically and figure out what day we killed them yeah. on. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, Garrett and I first started hunting, so I had killed one the 16th, 17th, 16th, and we met. I'm like, dude, 16th. Yeah. He killed a bull on the 16th that year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Was Wasn't like, it? Or was it, it, was the, it was the 16th. 16th. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I bet if we went back and looked at the last, like, you know, 20 years of data between the guy between the guys in the group for the most part, you'd have close to 100 elk to, to – pick yeah, apart i almost guarantee it's between the 18th and the 10th it's that week yeah i'd yeah, want to know what time dynamite. of day too oh sometime 11. between 10 and 2 <laughs> 2 the bro guys yeah. say for them most of their bulls have been killed in the evening they kill it varies for me i'm all across the board yeah i'm yeah I'm, I'm not consistent there i'm whenever i get a shot yeah so that one morning, day I, last year evening, i killed my bull. middle of the day i missed that one in the morning and then yeah. i killed it in the evening yeah. Well, a lot of times you find them in the morning. You don't kill them till the afternoon. Right. right. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to add before we start wrapping this thing up? Brad, any questions? Yeah, you haven't got to any I of your mean, questions. What I know. I've, well, Garrett covers them all, so <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, this every, every question I have, This Garrett, is happening mainly because you pushed for it so hard. and, and well, well, we've both been wanting to do this. I've been wanting yeah. to do it a lot, but yeah. you're like, dude, you know it would be really cool is to get the I just wanted to get up here and meet the guys, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. and I'm yeah. glad we did. Yeah. Yeah. No, when he said Portland, I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I pushed I that, right? I was like, hey, are you guys coming to the show? <laughs> like, why don't you just come up and we can do the podcast, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least you're up here for a reason and you can go walk around. Well, a little, I, a little I bit. really do appreciate it. You, you guys basically give us, given us your whole yeah. morning. So thank you so thank much you. for doing that. Oh, you bet. I, I like, I mean, I, I enjoy the chats. I enjoy talking, but I also know, like, you know, I learned a lot. I, I expanded on my elk hunting knowledge, having the ability to hunt with somebody who had taken it to another level, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that there are other people that can benefit from that too. 100%. Like even talking with Trent and Cody, like now with the amount of experience that those guys have got over the last 20 years of hunting, yeah. it's the same thing. Like you, you talk to people who are better than you and it will only make you better as well. Right. right? So, um, Shannon's knowledge helped me out. I mean, I killed the, that, the year Penny and I got our bulls was, I would, I, I want to give him credit. Cause I mean, that's, that knowledge is what killed those bulls. So I cool, mean, man. yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, so it is really – I mean, I just enjoy the, the chat anyway. You know, yeah. it's a little selfishness for me to share it because if everybody hunted the same strategy the same way we we do it without chasing them around, we, I'd be more successful. Right. Because it hurts me when they go in there and start tracking and pushing elk around because I don't know that happened. And I'm, I'm hunting an area where he should be and he's not. It's just wasting my time. So by sharing it, I was like, yeah, we convince people to do this. And then it comes down to – well, who's better at that strategy? And that's really all it boils right. down to. Well, I've well, talked to the bro guys. I'm like, kind of a victim of your own success. Yeah. yeah. You know, honestly. I mean, it's it's changed the, the way a lot of guys hunt. Yeah. 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 Well, and, well like, the call technology, I think, is where I really saw a change. When when those when, when the average guy could pick up a, a, a reed and make it elk sound, it, it, got, it got a lot harder really fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I can see that. You well, know, the you, older reeds were harder to use, and you had to really work at it. You had to put a lot of effort in. You had to start in June to figure out how to bugle by September, right. 
and most people just wouldn't dedicate themselves to doing that. But today, you can throw a Phelps or a, you know any any reed in your mouth and make a convincible elk call, right? And kill elk. Yeah, quite and, simply. And so. now we'll locate a bull, we'll drop into a canyon, and then some we'll. You know, because other guys don't know that we're not an elk. They're bugling back at us. And then the bull bugles, and then they know there's a bull down in there. So if you don't kill it, well, where are those guys at the next day? Well, right, back right, in right, the right, late 90s when we started doing this, people didn't bugle. They just, oh, Roosevelt's don't bugle. Right. Okay. Right. Which is the reason why I started filming. is not to show everybody else, but it's to prove to people that I knew that they do bugle, and they are aggressive, and you can just target a bull and kill it. Hmm. And so I had this little eight millimeter camera and Brad and I started just taking it with us. And that's really how it all got started. My dad got me into elk hunting. I remember when I was like, must've been five or six. He took me up and we knocked down this road and he located a bull and had it screaming. And so, I mean, that was, you know, early nineties. And that was it. Uh, yeah. I was like, I was hooked, hooked after that. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> hooked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, I, I think that's a podcast, guys. I really right, do man. appreciate both your time. I think it's time for lunch. I'm starving. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so. for the uh, opportunity to share. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully in the future we can get back together too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right so, all right. Catch you guys later. Thanks, Kurt.